This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Guru Jay here. Holy cow. Did I promise you the greatest show on earth? Well, perhaps something short of that. But was it a great show? Yes. Was it a, a long show? Yet there were dynasties that passed. In my family, we have many babies and elephants during debate. Whole generations passed. Yes, too long. And overpopulated on that stage. Something I know a little about. But holy cow, a great debate in all and a turning point. Yes? No? Excelsior. Welcome back, my radio family. I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest, and we are, once again, we are Shock Forces, Special Radio Forces Unit, comprising the Blaze Radio Network. You can reach us. Your office number is one 888 Wasn't I just here? I think, did I just get up to pee and came back and it was showtime again today? Wow. Those debate nights are a challenge and they are as much fun as you can have with your clothing on. I hope you enjoy, holy cow, I hope you enjoyed it. I mean what Guru Jay say in open. That was too long. And what makes it unbearably long is the addition, the the attachment of the junior debate, which happens first, and which all of us connected with the process, including you. I mean, anyone feels feeling vested, you know, in the process, uh, feels they they must follow uh, the the junior debate, and and the whole evening. So we may not pay as much attention, and I'm sure the audience is lower, but for this audience, I'll bet a lot of us watch the junior debate. And that does, that does make the, the evening insufferably long, because it's not just the junior debate, uh, though it's that. Let's just, let's just uh, shall we start, shall we do them the honor? And when I say them, I'm going to use the collective pronoun because... I can't name anyone who's in it. In fact, I now get to apologize to you verbally. Uh, The apologies I offered yesterday in writing for making uh, a flat-out stupid mistake yesterday. Uh, The kind which I rarely make because it's a mistake of preparation. And, And, truth be told, 
a mistake of institutional memory. It's just flat out something that I shouldn't do, and I did, and I and uh, and I apologize for it. It won't happen again. And that is, at the end of this show yesterday, I said I believed, so far as I could recall, that Huckabee had dropped out. And I really believed that. I was paging through my notes. I keep all my show notes. I go through pads and pads, as I say. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, Harvard Law School is going to want my notes someday. And I keep going through this. There's absolutely no reason that that's, that's a joke. But... Uh, but my notes aren't a joke. My notes are history. Uh, but you know, I'm trying to find this notation I made to myself on the day when a couple of different people uh, tanked. And I thought Huckabee was one. I was wrong. And in any case, I said to you yesterday, you know, I, I, think, I think Huckabee is out. Well, uh, he wasn't. I was wrong. And I'm sorry for that. That And I, I hope you, in the fullness of time, you can come to forgive me for that mistake. Uh, let's open the show with my mea culpa. Let's give them the place of honor of the show opening to talk about the junior G-man debate, the first debate. Okay, well, that concludes my reflections on it. Does anyone else have anything to say on it? I mean, it's total bollocks that nobody on that stage is going to be president of anything. And there's absolutely no, well, other than if you are a stockholder of CNN, there is no reason to to broadcast that thing. There's no reason to do that to us. But we watched voluntarily, those of us who did, I did, so I've no one but myself to blame. And and those words sound so familiar because so often in my life, if I'm honest, I must say, I've no one but myself to blame. You just think I would learn at at a quicker rate. So does anyone have anything to say about the junior debate? I'll say one thing. Given Linda Graham's passion and his his animated personality, all of which add up to pretty fair debating skills, why can't this man get above 2 or 3% in his home state? In his home state. I'm not asking why he can't crack 3% nationally. He's the sitting United States Senator of of a home state of South Carolina. He can't get 3% where he lives. How does he get 51% to get reelected? I guess they think of him as pretty okay as a Senator, but not so very much as something else. Any case, okay, so that it can be recorded that we said something about it, I think Lindsey Graham won the meaningless early debate. How about you? Okay, I, I the clown in the in the in getting out of the car here. Oh wait, there's another clown getting out of the car. Another clown getting out of the car. Oh, oh, 
<laughs> tells me it's time to move on in the Civic Circus Maximus. And I direct your attention to the top-hatted man in the Jodfers at center stage, your master debater, Jay Severin, host of ceremonies. Welcome, welcome, my radio family. Welcome to the real broadcast now. Uh, let's talk about who did what last night. Today, over the course of the next couple hours, you will hear the best analysis of the debate because we are equipped by having done the best pre-analysis. We know what we knew going into the debate, what each candidate needed to do. We took the extra step of predicting what each candidate, therefore, would likely do and thus what would likely happen. To my recollection, we were correct on every point. Humble on them all, and I think correct on almost all of them too. Who wants to talk about how somebody did? What was the show you saw last night? What did you see last night, and what do you think it means? We can start with a very quick precy of what we said was going to happen. What we said yesterday here was that Donald Trump would probably try to take it easy. The idea for Donald Trump was not to punch down. You know, don't punch down in class. You're way ahead, and like everything else in life, if you're substantially ahead, but you still must get forced into a fight, the idea is try your best not to lose a lung or, you know, uh, don't don't lose a major organ or a lot of blood because you're, you're ahead. It makes no sense. Don't go out there and swing wildly and leave yourself open to getting hit. Go out there and, and just just keep an even keel and try to get in and out of it without any damage. You don't need to put the ball up. You keep the ball on the ground. You run out the clock. And... That's what we said Donald Trump would do. Is that what Donald Trump did? Yes, that's what Donald Trump did. We said that the real show last night was likely to be between Rubio and Cruz with a rather desperate Rubio having just out of the mathematics of the thing, the physics of the thing, right? Rubio has to try and take out or decide which he'd rather try to take out, but he needs both. He needs to damage Cruz, and he needs to damage Trump, doesn't he? And so last night, we said he would probably try to damage both, and he might might settle more on one than the other. And if he did settle more on one than the other, he would settle on going after Cruz. Did Rubio do that? That's what Rubio did. As for Cruz, we said that Cruz would play a lot of jab. He would, you know, he'd take, he'd check out the ring. He'd see who was hitting him from where he was being hit and how he had to handle himself. But basically, he would probably spend the night fending off Rubio. Is that what happened? 
Guru Jay say, holy cow, pass the ammunition. God bless America. We were right. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Not the only thing you get only here on the Blaze Radio Network, me partners, me mighties. I'm Jay Severin at one 888 Now, this is your show today more than any other show of the year. The show's following debates. The show's following great events. These are your shows. These are for you. These are for the audience to tell me and the rest of the audience what it is you saw, what it is you thought. Now, if you just want to hear me do that for two hours, as you know, I'm pleased to do that. But I would like to hear from you. What did you see? What did you hear? What do you think happened? Who won? Who lost? Everybody on that stage either won or lost. Nobody tied. There are no ties. This is a binary process. You win or you lose. It's it's lethal music ch- musical chairs. Somebody is about not to get to sit down. You just don't want it to be your toes if it's Christie. And he goes for the chair and your feet are there. But... A lot of people won, well, some people won, and some people lost. It may help you to have your recollection refreshed as to who participated last night in the big boy pants debate. And, by the way, there'll be some big boy pants being turned in, I think. Right? Because these guys, after last night, these guys, some of them, are on the road to Palookaville. They're on the road to dropoutsville, are they not? Okay, here's who was in the debate last night. I'm hopeful that one, at least one of these names, is going to spark in you a recollection, uh, some kind of comment that you think we ought to hear about whether they did as well as you expected or more poorly than you expected and what it means or anything else uh, vis-a-vis your impressions of last night. Here were the participants, and I had to sit down and do this. Can you believe this? After being up for 36 hours, I actually have to sit down and write this down so I don't forget someone. Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Dr. Benjamin Carson, Heb Bush, 
Chris Christie, RuPaul, John Kasich, Carly Carly, Fiorina. Those were the big debate participants. We spoke yesterday at some length, detail, about what each each needed to do. And even when you have a production of this magnitude, sometimes it can get to some degree overshadowed. I'll give you an example. Seb, if you could play cut number 16. We're not Islamic radical terrorism. We'll be yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't hear that. Actually, you do it again. Hello. Terrorism will be far Should these Silicon Valley? Sorry, something's going on. But... Okay. All right. So, so what you should have heard, <laughs> what you should have heard was something like this. Somebody was determined to pass a tumor last night. Someone was coughing up a lung. They started at the beginning of the debate. They did not finish until the end of the debate. And my one of my lasting memories of that great national epic event last night will be someone coughing up a lung. I Could CNN not detect this? There were no sound technicians to detect this. They can't afford a cough button. What was it? Now, I maybe it was one of the candidates. Uh, a member of my family came up with the uh, idea that it was it was Rand Paul. Now, it makes it much tougher to 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 uh, to close the mics of the participants. Right. You need, pretty much need to leave them with an open mic. But if it was anybody else, good God, son, how many times do you need to listen to someone passing a tumor orally and let it play? Does anyone remember that? Last night we kept pointing. It was like a drinking game. Every time someone, oh, ah, ah, oh, ah, 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 all night long for the entire debate. Who was coughing up a lung? Now, I'm afraid that must remain a question. I don't have the answer. And the answer, frankly, is not terribly important. But as a matter of trivia, this will live on in the minds of geeks such as we forever. Who, it reminds me of the line of a brilliant, I now must call old movie. Midnight Cowboy, Dustin Hoffman, John Voigt. I believe it won Best Picture in, God, could it be, like 1970? Midnight Cowboy and uh, a Texan who comes to New York to start a new life, a cowboy. He's listening to his AM radio, and as he's driving through either uh, East Texas or maybe part of Louisiana, he's listening to a, a religious broadcast on the AM radio. And uh, a, a televangelist, or in this case, a radio evangelist, is talking to his audience. He's opening the mail for the week, and he goes, Hoo-ha! Praise God! We have a letter here from Selma May uh, Withercut, 
who includes a $5 bill and a tumor that she coughed up listening to my sermon last week. Praise Jesus. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Partners, here we go. 1-888-900-3393. So uh, to round out this segment, we're going to take, and we'll do it as long as you wish or as short as you wish. We're going to look at each of the contestants and how they did. If we pass through this without anyone ringing in at one 3393 to talk about how uh, someone did or didn't do, that's fine. Uh, Maybe I'll say a word. Then we'll move on to some of the internal analytical things, which can only be heard here. The cough (laughs) is just one of them. Uh, We covered some others last night uh, in the blaze after dark. I hope you listened. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, among those things last night... Maybe the single most important uh, Severin doctrine propounded, uh, uh, among others, uh, on the radio was my description. It, it was it was instinctive and new. Last night, I've often talked to you about the difference between candidates. I'm being very serious here. The difference between candidates, there are two kinds. People who are executive profile and legislative profile. And based on the kind of personalities they have, some kind of people are only comfortable in a legislative profile job. Others are comfortable only in an executive profile job. In other words, being one of a bunch of legislators, compromisors, or you have to be the boss. In the former case, you become a legislator, member of the House, member of the Senate. In the latter case, you become a governor, a mayor, a president, because you have to call the shots. It's how you're built. One will never be happy. They often have to take the other position in order to get to the one they want, but they are never, ever happy. In fact, they are miserable in the non-conforming position until they finally get into the one that suits their personality. Last night, I defined for the first time anywhere the difference between debaters. The difference between debaters, and we will do that. It may take us until the beginning of the next hour, but there are two kinds of men on the debate stage. When they tell you your time is up, or someone says something about you, or you think something's going wrong, there are two type of men on that stage who resort to two completely opposite strategies and tactics to get through that very, very pregnant situation. When people start shouting, saying, your time is up, and I've let me finish, and all of that. Two men, two types only, that react in two different ways. I explained it and acted it out, uh, perhaps unfortunately, 
uh, along with Doc and Skip last night. We will get to that. All right, we're going to go to each candidate now. There were nine of them. How did they do? But before I start my list, we're going to you on the phone at one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Barry from Strasburg, which I think is just outside Vienna. Welcome. How are you doing, Jay? Thanks for taking my call. Um, Pleasure, I, I, sir. I didn't, thank you. Uh, I did get a chance to watch the big kids uh, debate. I have a lot going on at home, but I caught some of uh, the kiddie table debate last night. And I tell you, Lindsey Graham knocked it out of the park for me. He had me doubled over in laughter last night. I, I turned on the TV just in time for to see him say, and here's a quote, I am a lousy Christian. You know, it, it seems to me if you're auditioning for a job, you don't want to tell people how lousy you are at anything that well, quite possibly means a lot to He's charming. He's charming. He's a charming Southern gentleman. He, he is self-deprecating. He's very smart. And I, I, it really is a wonder to me that, you know, he can't get above 3%. He can't get above 1%. He can't get to one percent in most places, and I, 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 that does mystify me. But whatever he did, he you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, did it make a sound? Well, let's adapt that. If Lindsey Graham hit one out of the park and no one was there to hear it, does it make a difference? And I know the answer to this one: no. Yeah, but I, I got a chuckle out of it. I'm sure other people who might have been watching well, probably I'm, enjoyed I'm glad it. you did. My question yeah. is, do you believe it had any impact on the national political scene? Uh, almost as much as uh, maybe a speck of dust in, in the desert, maybe. <laughs> in a windstorm. In a windstorm. At night, <laughs> exactly. But, but I, I, I can guarantee if anybody in Carolina was watching it, any thought of voting for him, I think that maybe just sunk him a little bit lower. Well, you know, I, I admire him. I admire him just sticking to it. But he, he's got to – he doesn't have any money. And no one's going to – and he doesn't have big money behind him. And uh, he is – I'm going to take him right now as my pick of the first guy to uh, the next guy to drop out? Uh, I, I bet against that, but I'd lose because I agree with you on that one, man. I totally agree with you. It seems to me you have to have one of two things. You have to have, you know, you have to have your own money or, or the ability to raise money, or you have to have big money behind you. Like Newt Gingrich had Sheldon Adelson behind him last time around. No, oh, someone, sure. no one really knew who Sheldon Adelson was, except we learned he was this billionaire who was bankrolling Newt Gingrich's you know, losing week after losing week after losing week and so, uh, so that, that Gingrich could stay in. Well, uh, Lindsey Graham doesn't have his own money, can't raise any, and doesn't have a sugar daddy. Well, not one that we would appropriately mention on the air anyway. No, let's not go there, no. But, yeah, it seems to me that he's given nobody a reason to give him money either. He, yeah. He's basically holding up the sign saying, hey, I suck. Don't give me money. Is that <laughs> what he's doing? <laughs> well, as Guru Jay has said for many years, the fundamental difference in political money is the difference between getting on the phone and asking for a contribution or an investment. 
when you can get on the phone with somebody and say, I'm offer I'm calling to offer you an opportunity to make an investment worth many times the check that you're going to write because you're going to be on a, in on the ground floor of electing the next senator of this state, the next governor of the state, the next president of the United States. You are making an investment here, pal, an investment. I'm giving you the opportunity to make an investment. When you are calling up and you are 1% in the polls, your swagger is of a slightly different nature and magnitude. You're calling up and saying, oh, please, could you make it $5, please? Well, there's a difference between an investment and a charity case. And, uh, exactly. And charity case. No, exactly right. That's yeah. the guys who can raise money are in a position such that they can pitch this as a, an investment contribution. You're, you're buying access, you and your business, to the next United States senator. But when that guy's at 2%, you're calling up and saying, won't it make you and your family sleep better to know that you've given to the, and then you might as well fill in the blank, the United Way, you know, uh, you know, yeah, the Boys Club of America, because then it becomes all the same thing. Barry, I appreciate it, and I sure wish I could visit Strasburg again soon. Scotty from Utah, welcome. Hey Jay, I appreciate your hey. insight last night on the on the debates. It was really entertaining. <laughs> oh, thank you, Scotty. Yeah. Hey, I, I wanted to talk about the clown. Give fight. us yours. It kind of it, it kind of showed up at the big boy debate too, and uh, Trump had that deer in the headlight look when uh, he was asked about the nuclear triad. I mean, he looked like a total goofball. Look, I, I don't want to pile on, but when that moment came, wow. Scotty, I would say that that ranks among the most mortifying moments that I have ever seen. A, a politician endure. And then he when they going. looked at him and said, the triad policy, I could see the bubbles over Donald Trump's head. And I was, it was excruciating because I actually thought he was going to blurt out one of the bubbles. I thought he was going to say, triad. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a Chinese gang in New York, right? Or, or wait, that's a kind of gum. I love it. I chew that triad gum all the time. Or, wait, that has something to do with that uh, geometry, right? It was mortifying. It was mortifying. <laughs> anyway, that was just my comment on the... On the no, topic. your comment exactly is right. Oh, by the way, Seb, on your end, can you boost the output so I can hear oh, you? So I can hear I callers. I'm, my headphones are not picking you up. I need a stronger boost there. Can you do that for can me, Can you hear Seb? me any better? That's a little better, thank you. Uh, and 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 Scotty, the the, uh, the difference was, and this says a lot about politics. Do you do you recall seeing hearing Rubio's response? Yeah, oh, well, that was uh, that was pretty good. He kind of schooled him <laughs> very he did, politely. He, he he did. He sucked his eyeballs out and ate them. But the thing was, <laughs> he did it so politely. Yeah. That I think he kind of let Trump off the hook. You know, in, in, a, in a room full of people as smart as Rubio, everyone would have been chuckling into their sleeve and remembering this as the biggest put down they've ever heard or the big yeah. the biggest act of uh, 
of of su- political suicide they've ever seen when Trump d- doesn't know has absolutely zero it registers zero acquaintance with him you know maybe the most important uh military doctrine of our country's self defense and rubio came back and said well for those at home who may not have ever heard this before and clearly he was saying this to trump yes. like you total imbecile let me explain this to you but instead of saying well donald can, can you name the three parts of the tr- no he should have said and I don't mean to be cruel to Donald Trump, but if it had been me, because my mouth is too big for my own good, I would have said, uh, if I hadn't been in a debate, that's why I would never be a good politician. I, 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 Scotty, I would have said to my opponent, could you name for me the four elements of the triad? <laughs> Just to, yeah, would you, can you confirm? He'd say, well, no, I'd say, but you can confirm that you do know all four components of the triad, right? And my opponent would say, yeah, I know all four. I just can't remember them right now. And you'd say, okay. You roll your eyes and say, no more questions for this witness. But that was, I really, uh, Trump thought it was a Chinese gang in New York or a gum. And uh, I, I just, and you know what? You know how many people are talking about that today, Scotty? In the media across the country, Scotty, you with me? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay, Scotty, thank you for having called. Uh, I'll answer Scotty's question, Uh, and I'll ask it of all of you. This was the biggest boner I have ever seen in a major debate when when Donald Trump could not identify, and obviously from his thousand yard stare, had utterly no conversance with the triad uh, platform of our nuclear deterrence. Utterly none. It would be as if I had been... Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And partners, 1-888-900-3393. Sebastian, whom have we next? Whom have we next? Craig from Mass. Welcome back. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you taking my call again. Pleasure. Um, This is my favorite time to listen to you. I've been listening to you during election time for the better part of a decade. Uh, Wow. You are excellent at the analysis better than anyone on any channel or any radio station uh, Craig come I, on I know now I know <laughs> you're just saying that because it's true yeah I, I heard maybe did you fa- uh, maybe found your some kind of a civics club right around the sixth grade did I hear that you, you know it's amazing I, I because I I don't know how you would know that but as a matter of fact I did found I did establish my uh, civics primary school civics club when in the sixth grade, and along with it, my primary school newspaper. I'm astonished you should know that because I don't believe I've ever mentioned it before. 
Yeah, I feel like I've, I've heard that somewhere. Uh, it's, that's astonishing, but thank you. <laughs> uh, I wanted to call because I wanted to get your opinion. This was the first time uh, that I saw Donald Trump that I really got annoyed with his lack of detail. Um, I can generally put up with, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to kick the heck out of them because they're bad guys, and uh, we're going to build a wall, and we're going to kick out Muslims, and, and I can, I can also we're the get greatest. myself... Exactly. And I can get myself amped up with that rhetoric as well. But this was the first time when I found myself saying, okay, can you please give us some how? Can you please give us some meat between the bread? When Hewitt asked the question, the triad question, even the very, very, very few people who are bothering to focus on, you know, the answer and what followed... It was the moment of greatest mortification. Well, Craig, can you stick? Please stick. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Please offer you the creme de la creme, but usually. But today, here, now, I can offer you. The both the funniest and most depressing thing you will ever hear in presidential politics. It comes up next on the Blaze Radio Network, Excelsior. Welcome back, my partners. I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 900 We are trying with some degree of, uh, of, of intellectual stability here to cover uh, and, and to establish who did what last night and to whom. Uh, it's, 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 it's a binary game. Someone, it's a zero-sum game. Someone does well only if someone else is hurt. And who hurt whom, how, and what does it mean from last night? We will in this hour go over all of the nine candidates, maybe very, very briefly, maybe not, depending on whether you elect to give your assessment of how you think Things went. I don't care if you pick individual candidates or the debate overall or the broadcast technically or you can come at it from any angle there is. That was civics, circus, maximus last night. And though it was long and it was it was overlong and overpopulated, it was still the best show on earth last night. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I am hopeful that Craig from Massachusetts, an officer and a gentleman of this corps, has been able to hold over. Craig, have you? You bet I have, Jay. 
Craig, have you received a battlefield commission on this show? I don't believe so. You are now promoted to commander. I appreciate that very much. Now, and 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 what we were discussing were we not the uh, what I characterized as the most mortifying moment I've ever witnessed in presidential politics, and that was when Donald Trump was confronted with the question about the uh, AA, if not the chief element of our national defense, which is the, the, the triad concept. Is, were we discussing that? We were, and that leads me right into the question I wanted to ask, Jay. Wait, before you, you go there, before please. you go there, Sebastian, with skill and industry, has isolated that very moment for us. And for those who didn't recall this, were on a pee break, or making a sandwich, or had fallen asleep. It's very, very, forgive me, I don't mean to lecture. I believe that it is extremely important that you listen to this very short but extremely important question and then listen even more closely and try to remember that you, try to imagine you're in the office and your boss the big boss is flown in from New York, you know, for the pitch, and you're asked a question. Imagine giving this answer. and Or imagine back to days of, like, grade school or high school being on your feet and having to answer a question. But considering the nature and magnitude of this question, and you are applying for the job of Commander-in-Chief of the United States of America, add to the fact that the person whose voice... Uh, you will secondarily hear here may well be the next president of the United States and commander in chief. Please really listen and, and grasp what it is we're talking about here. Maestro. Problem that our country faces. Uh, the right three no, 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 uh, what we've just heard from uh, 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 Trump. Do you think we could do that? Can we do that? Of the three legs of the triad, though, do you have a priority? Because I want to go to Senator Rubio well, I, after I think, that. I think him. to me, nuclear is just the, the power, the devastation is very important to me. Senator, Senator Rubio, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay. I feel like I've just been through surgery. Uh, Craig. The guy says the triad, you know, you know, the triad. And Trump says, yeah, yeah. Nuclear power, the, uh, the, the devastation, the power. It's always been very important to me. There's his answer. It's, it's certainly, (laughs) it's certainly, you know, you asked a question when you opened the show, show, you know, who did what to whom. And I think, Donald Trump did the most damage to himself in this debate, and that was the first time that I had felt that way. 
And then he always does, Craig. But but you probably share the frustration of many, not most, but many, that no matter what he says, and he's said a lot of things that I've thought have been cruel, vulgar, uh, ungentlemanly, unworthy of a candidate for an office of this prestige, inappropriate in any number of ways, but okay, since everyone else seems to think it's all right, I have been willing to say, uh, you know, all right, if that's the kind of president you want and, and going along with it. But when you get a president of the United States, it, it's as if if you were asked about the red phone. Suppose Hugh Hewitt, Craig, had said, now suppose that red phone rings in the middle of the night, Donald, and what would what would be your first reaction? And And Trump says... Well, I would tell room service they'd called too early. I mean, what do you do? And that goes to, you know, a a few days ago, you you mentioned that you have a suspicion about who might be running Trump's campaign. And I'm just at what point does that person, whoever it is, sit down with Donald and say, okay, the the rhetoric is clearly not going to cut it anymore. We need to get some substance behind what you're saying, and maybe that means he needs to put him in a room and say, for, for the next two days, I'm going to tell you things like who's in the nuclear triad. I'm going to tell you things like, like the fact that there's a red phone in the president's bedroom and what that means if it rings. At what point does that happen? Because it clearly has to happen sometime. Uh, Craig, I, that is uh, a question, uh, the uh, I- incisiveness of which, the propriety of which I would expect from a commander in, in, in this command. But, uh, of course, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump and how he's preparing for this. I don't think you can put him in a room for two days. Uh, I, I think there are moments when I believe he richly deserves needs to be placed in a room for two days, one with a doorknob only on the outside. Uh, But uh, with a little slide thing for the meals and medications to come through from the outside. (laughs) But it ain't it ain't going to happen because it's good enough for him. And so far, it is evidently, evidently good enough. God help us for the voters. And when I say the voters, Craig, man, I don't mean, I don't think this is a Republican phenomenon. I think that there is a suit. I think, I think Donald Trump's candidacy part, a very ugly part of the Trump phenomenon, trademark Guru J blaze radio network, 2015. The Trump phenomenon has a lot of elements, Craig, and one of them is a lot of people don't care. The fact that the next commander-in-chief, maybe, thinks the triad is a gum or a Chinese gang in New York. If he, I don't think he could have come up with those. And no one seems to care. Do you know, I think I was asking you this as we had to fade out of the last hour. Do you know how many news outlets I know of who have reported 
not made a big deal out of, just reported that moment from last night? I have not seen one. You let me know if you do, okay? Because neither have I. It's really, you know, we've seen with Obama what happens when you elect somebody who is not ready to be president. And I sort of, I, I guess I hope what Trump will do is he will, his brass and crash, crass, excuse me, brash and crass language will make it okay for people like Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio to stand up and say things that had Trump not said them first, maybe coming out of Rubio or Cruz's mouth wouldn't have been okay. Um, Craig, I have to break, but you've been great as usual. And let me end by agreeing with you. I think that the hope of many, and certainly my hope, if this Trump train continues to roll down the track, the best face that can be put on this theoretically, and I hope not just theoretically in the end, I hope this turns out to be so, and that is Donald Trump didn't get where he is for no reason. He didn't win his money through the Powerball. True, he started with $150 million from his father, and chances are if you gave me $150 million, I too might end up rich. But forgetting that for a moment, the fact that he is as much as anybody who was born with $150,000 in his checking account can be a self-made man, this guy is not stupid. He may and is demonstrably ignorant on an array of factors that we traditionally believe someone must master even to consider being a, a state legislator, let alone the president of the United States. But devil's advocate, the guy's a builder, the guy's a maker, the guy's an entrepreneur. And Craig, all we, Commander Craig, all we can hope is that Donald Trump will sit down if he's elected, recognize the, with sobriety and seriousness, the magnitude of the job he has been elevated to through the weirdness of life and that he treats it seriously and that he surrounds himself with, as he would in his business world, the best architects, the best cement guys, the best surveyors, the best demolition guys, the best whatever. That's what's going to have to surround Donald Trump in his presidency should it occur, or at least in our minds, to make his presidency a fact. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. What did you see? See what did you hear? To whose benefit? Who's going to drop out next? Who did well? Who did poorly? Who fulfilled the strategic imperatives we discussed yesterday? Who did what they needed to do 
Who failed to do that? Who's living? Who is moribund? Let's go from the bottom here. Carly Fiorina. I have a particular comment about Carly's appearance last night. I made it early, I believe, on Twitter. Certainly made it here with my uh, this nest of rabid uh, would-be bloggers and tweeters and young politicians here, young and old, trying to make uh, their mark. Carly Fiorina, from the moment I saw her, did not look well. She did not sound well. The one thing you can say for Carly Fiorina is that she is perpetually and inevitably attractive. She's bouncy. She's, and I don't mean attractive, meaning pretty. I, I, I don't mean she's not pretty. I just don't mean it in a gender way. I just mean she is an attractive person. You look at her and you see energy. And, and she's someone that's, that's attractive, just an attractive person. And again, I really don't mean that as in good looking. That would mean beautiful or lovely or something. She's just attractive. And she's kind of this energy force. And last night, and maybe because I hold her to her own high standard, I saw Carly Fiorina last night, and we everyone in the room I was in said, good God, what is wrong with her? She seemed angry, impatient, tired. God knows she has reason to be all of those things, but but she it's not okay to it's not okay to appear to be them. You have to hide them. Cuz Carly Fiorina to me last night for the first time seemed like a pain in the ass. I mean, she just just was not a pleasant not a pleasant person. And I'm not saying one needs to be to be president. Although I am saying one may need to appear to be pleasant at least intermittently in order to be elected president. And she just, I wonder, I really do wonder if she had the flu or something because she, she was not herself. At least she was not her usual self. And I think it tainted everything she did. I thought she had a terrible night. I think Carly Fiorina had the worst night she has ever had. And if she had had two nights like this at the beginning of the campaign, Carly Fiorina would not still be in this campaign. And I think Carly Fiorina is absolutely one of the outstanding draft picks to drop out of the race next. Not the only one, but among them. Next, John Kasich. John Kasich began the debate last night by saying, and, and there, for some of us, I include myself, there are some hackneyed sins you just cannot commit. And one of them is, it's all based on the Jimmy Carter thing when he appeared in a debate and said, on my way to the debate tonight, I asked my daughter, uh, what was her name again? What was Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter's daughter's name. Jimmy Carter's daughter. You know the really, the really pretty one. Um, 
Ama, Ama. So I, I, I'm Jim McCarter, and on the way to the debate tonight, I asked my little girl, Ama, and I said, Ama, what do you, Ama was five or six at the time, as I recall. Ama, what do you think is the number one issue? And she said, Papa, I think the number one issue is the matriculation of nuclear proliferation across the former Baltic and Soviet states of Eastern Europe, Papa. And so that reminds me, I mean, just like, you know, my five-year-old daughter is telling me what I ought to debate here for president of the United States. Look, you know, sometime, someday that's going to work. But this is what Kasich did last night. My daughter said, Daddy, there's too much yelling in politics. This is Kasich. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 After a historic, and it was historic, presidential debate last night, we welcome back Jacob from Florida, recently promoted uh, young soldier on the show of this command. Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. So I wanted to give my two cents on who I think the big winner was, and by saying that I mean eventual results, not uh, necessarily performance. I feel like, uh, you know, obviously I'm a cruise guy, so hopefully I can explain before the because I can feel the eye rolling already. Um, But I think not with me. Well, not with you, of course. But uh, I'm obviously biased. But I, I think this is straightforward analysis. I, I think Cruz comes out the big winner. Not because of his performance, because I actually think it wasn't his best, but because I think Carson was the worst. And I feel like the uh, natural heir to uh, his destruction is going to be Cruz in the coming days. So as far as points go, I feel like he's going to come out the big winner. Uh, and he may have shaved off maybe a point or two from the, the Trump side. But that, that may be if that's true, that's, that's huge, because I'll tell you, the first evidence is emerging of the uh, principal question that we've put in the last several weeks, and that is, if Trump fades or goes away, neither of which at this moment looks likely, I, I might add, but if he fades or goes away, or to the degree he does either, of uh, does the first a little bit, where does that vote go? And the early uh, polls are showing that for every vote that Rubio inherits that Trump sheds, Cruz gets four. And right. if if Carson fades, and he has faded, and he is fading, and I believe that your what sounds to me like an insinuation about last night, that the guy kind of looked like he was a dying man, um, you know, insofar as this race is concerned, I believe that. Whether or not you're insinuating it, I am. I think Carson is a dying man politically in this race. 
And so the question becomes not where do Trump's votes go, because I don't see Trump going anywhere. But I do see Carson going somewhere. I see him going under for the third time without a life jacket. And so the question is, where do his votes go? And I think they are more likely to go to Cruz than Rubio, but we don't know that yet. Yeah, well, certainly not all of them, but I would think the bulk go to Cruz. That's my feel on it. I don't think Trump goes anywhere. I think it's going to be a real fight for Cruz. He's going to have to shave some of those off of Trump and keep Rubio out of the way. What do you think of the idea, Jacob? This is for the first time on this show. What do you think of the idea? This is in my notes for today from last night. What do you think... Now, there, I could I could cite different reasons. None of them are definitive. Uh, somewhere between instinct and that little game last night where Trump and Cruz had kind of a makeout session toward the end of the camp, you know, the end of the debate where, where Trump said, come on now, you know, don't don't criticize me. And he said, oh, oh his temperament, oh, his temperament's fine. Don't worry about him. And then like 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 Trump tapped him on the elbow and said, hey, bud, you know. Like, uh, you, you could cite any of those things, but they could all be meaningless. But all of that just set aside, in a vacuum, I ask you this. What do you think the chances are, ultimately, or even at this moment, that Cruz might be, that Trump may be considering offering Cruz, and Cruz may be thinking of accepting the number two spot? I don't see Cruz accepting that, and I certainly would hope he doesn't. I'd much rather have him, you know, in the Senate than to take on that, you know, figurehead role, so to speak. But Devil's advocate. Take that. Devil's advocate. What happens, you know, we're sitting in a room here advising Cruz, and we're going around the table, and and, and so when it's my turn, I say, uh, all right, Jacob, but let me throw this out there. What does the next four years look like for Ted Cruz if he's not on the ticket? Because right now, you know, we're all looking at this like there are more than one winner. This ain't Powerball. You don't get a second and a third place winner that win tens of millions of dollars. You know, you, know, you win or you lose. And there's only one winner. I guess there's a second winner, kind of a consolation prize, which is the vice presidency, depending on how you look at it. But what does Cruz's political, and you and I know he's thought about this, so I guess I'm asking us to think about it. What do we think Cruz thinks about his political future if he's offered Trump's number two and says no? Do you think that he's, if Trump loses, it doesn't matter? If Trump wins, Cruz is on the outside for four to eight years. How many people has have had their window close in four to eight years and had it closed forever? Hmm. Whereas it is still mathematically true that if you wish to be president of the United States and you are offered the role of vice president of the United States, it is your shortest, surest road to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue eventually. Uh, you know, I think a Trump presidency would result in several terms of Democrat presidents following that. So I don't think that's a Could good be. bet for Cruz. Personally. Could be. 
Uh, and secondarily, if he continues to be the Ted Cruz we know and love, I, I could see his window staying open longer than the average, uh, you know, fade to the background type. That's a good point. Yep, that's a good point. And and certainly, as I flip here to the other side to to, to make your point uh, with you, the things he would be asked, he wouldn't be the same Ted Cruz anymore the moment he accepted the number two spot. He would right. become the attack dog. Now, now, think about this for a moment. Everyone who has run as VP has always become the attack dog, relatively speaking, for the presidential, you know, top of the ticket guy. Imagine what it's like being an attack dog for. Usually, that means that usually means that a a a a lab gets a Rottweiler to be his vice president. You know, we're now talking about a a, a, a a Tasmanian devil already. What does he get for his vice president? An alligator? You know, a crocodile? So would would Cruz have to play a role that was unnaturally bellicose and even nasty for him? Um, what would he give up if he accepted? Yeah, I don't think he fits that role at all. I'd like to believe that he's really the principled man. I believe he is, and I don't see how he could, uh, how he would be able to jive uh, that that role. I don't know how he makes that work, and continues to be, as you pointed out, the Ted Cruz that we know. He would right. have to be a changed man to be able to pull that off. So, what else? Last night, who's likely to drop out based on before or including last night to drop out next? Uh, I, I don't know if I could tell you who's next. I think. All right. Who right did well? With... Who who surprised you by doing either better or worse than you expected last night? Uh, I actually felt like Donald Trump did what you would have advised. As you mentioned the other day, and I think he he did well. Uh, as I read somewhere today, he's kind of graded on a curve because his statements typically are so yeah. ridiculous yeah. that if they're he not, he pulled out the ridiculous. old. For those who know the term. It goes back to Muhammad Ali, rope-a-dope. It's a boxing yeah. term where you bounce back on the ropes and you take a few punches, but you cover up, you bounce off the ropes, you move, you bounce off the ropes. You don't engage. You don't engage. It's what you do when you're ahead, when you're winning on points. You stay away from the other guy. You rope-a-dope. Well, I'll say this. Last night, Trump certainly did rope-a-dope. I'm just not sure I would have advised that he go so heavy on the dope. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, to me, that was a little bit of a surprise because I wasn't expecting it. I, I don't think there was many surprises I, other than I think maybe Christie edges up in this a little bit and becomes a player for a little while anyway. But I think it's Christie's really big hope is New game. Hampshire. Yeah. But then he has to turn around and go south, and that's, I don't see it. But Christie is hoping everything Christie lives for is doing better than expected, which is anything, in New Hampshire. What about Rubio? Did, did he help himself last night? Um, I, I don't think he moved much. I don't feel like he moved. I will move on. I only have you for another minute. Carson, thumbs up, thumbs down. He's all the way down. I think that was the end. Be, did, 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 you, did you think that coming in, or was it based on the performance well, last night? I thought he both? was already dying as well, but like as you said, I mean, it sounded like the last few gasps 
uh, last night. It, it, it just seemed like it was the end of it. It, it really got it. Really what about Heb? <laughs> I, he's still going nowhere. I think he'll stay in for a long time, unfortunately. Did well, you happen to see? Did you happen to see the uh, Twitter photograph last night of one of the major uh, listening rooms? You know, the Bush campaign, because this is the kind of thing you do when you've got wild, crazy burn money is you set up rooms all over the country. If you if you can't go to the debate, they set up a listening room, a watching room where they set up giant TVs and they offer free drinks. And they set up chairs and they have a party and it's a listening party. A watching party to watch your candidate debate. And they had one last night, and I just want to find out what state it was in. Because if it was in Florida or any primary state, it's devastating. But did you see this tweet? I heard about it. I did not see it. It was one room filled with streamers, punch bowls, finger sandwiches, beers, posters, buttons, lights, movies people well no people actually all of those things and then an an enormous room full of folding chairs at the front in the front row there was one guy in the room wow oh yeah boosh boosh all right uh jacob uh, Commander Jacob, thank you. Call back soon. We rely on your contribution. We shall be right back. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 All right, I think we have uh, faithfully executed our duty to consider what and how each person did last night. There are a number of intrinsic factors here having to do with the debate itself, which I am tremendously eager to discuss with you tomorrow one is a pet peeve of mine i mentioned on both editions of the blaze after dark last night and that is do you realize do you appreciate how big a factor and it was huge how big a factor the audience was last night these debates oughtn't have live audiences it perverts everything it turns this event into a sitcom you have a sitcom you enjoy is there a sitcom on television that you watch is there a prime time show a comedy show on television that you enjoy do you realize that whether or not that's performed in front of a live studio audience and almost none of them is that when they take that back into the post-production booth, they have laugh tracks and they, what's called, sweeten the response. They sweeten the laughter and the applause. What you're hearing, if you ever heard 
what really happens on these shows in terms of the applause, you, you would you'd say, well, that wasn't a very good show. No one laughed at that. It's, it's not very funny tonight. That wasn't very good. The difference between that and you saying, oh, that was the funniest thing I ever heard, was because the producers are dumping, dumping, dumping multiple laugh tracks into the master audio track of the show. I know about this. I, I did it on TV and radio for years. So if you want the first thing you want to do, and I have produced television shows with uh uh, candidates for like the United States Senate or governor uh, and, and directed them. And what you, the first thing you do is you either want an audience or you don't. You decide whether it's to your candidate's advantage or not. And if it is, you pack the audience, you instruct them on when and how to be laud, allowed, and you then you re-record them and you dump them again, you retract them, and dump two, three, four, five times the applause or laughter or whatever it is you want into the debate. You produce it. This is what happened last night. It became apparent to me in the first 90 seconds that this audience last night for the big debate was packed, and it was packed against Trump, against Cruz, for Rubio, and for Bush. Because, my friends, there is the breakdown of everything we discussed today. That's where the Republican race is right now. The Republican establishment wants Bush, but they'll settle for Rubio. The others want Trump, but they'll settle for Cruz. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.